You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen. It's majestic and resolute. Where you pursue your dreams with hard work, dedication, sacrifice, discipline, and passion. But above all, it's respect for what the ice can do for you. It was always my goal to make it to the NHL. Since I can remember, I wanted to be a hockey player. When you're hot, you're hot. Ray Leobold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. But the ice and all its majesty can hit you back when you least expect it. An injury, my first year pro at 21 years old, led me down a dark path to Oxycontin. Shortly after that, I found myself addicted to heroin and not playing hockey. Demons hide in every corner. They can take everything away from you. Everything you worked so hard to achieve. And before you know it, the demons own you. Ultimately, I became homeless on the streets in Vancouver on Hastings, which is widely known as the worst block in North America. Brady Leavold was on the edge of realizing his dream of playing in the NHL. Then he lost it all to drug addiction. I was hiding a dark secret. These are real stories about pain, loss, and genuine people. The sad truth of it all, success comes for the price. Wanted to die. Many times I was in the psych ward. I to commit suicide. Welcome to the Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery podcast with your host, Brady Bungavoli. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Let's try this one more time. This is episode number 57. And this, of course, is Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Morrisburg, Ontario. That's right. Just, just near Ottawa. Was in, in the city today. And let me tell you, I think it's the COVID capital of Canada. And Matt and I could not get out of there fast enough. However, uh, I am, you know, lucky to be here. I'm missing my family. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to my girlfriend, Taylor, who is very, very, very pregnant. Um, three weeks uh, is the day, due date. Um, she's at home with Hadley and Lincoln, and obviously they're a handful. So, um, you know, could, if we could send her a little bit of support, some love. Uh, if you could send her a message, uh, I would be uh, truly appreciative of that. Uh, she's having a little bit of a difficult time. So, Taylor, I love you. Uh, I'll be home soon. Uh, apologize for the lighting. I don't have my light with me up here in Morrisburg, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited about this one. I do want to apologize. Uh, we had to start over uh, because I accidentally kicked my mic cord out of the roadcaster. So my apologies. If you're back for round two, thank you so much. Uh, if you're not listening live or watching live, I always do that. Uh, I hope uh, you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. Guys, you can check them out anywhere on social media, at Hockey Podnet, and of course their website, www, I think that was four W's, dot the Hockey Podcast Network. 
www.fourw.com. Don't do four W's. It probably won't work. Make sure it's only three or zero. Guys, check them out. Uh, hockey season's over. Uh, but guess what? We are uh, staying up to date with everything hockey. It's the off season. Lots of free agents. Free agent frenzy going on right now. Uh, Robin Leonard re-signed uh, with Vegas. Congratulations to him. Uh, well-deserved. I mentioned this just briefly before. Uh, he's uh, been open about his battle with mental health. Uh, and uh, to see that, uh, guys at that elite level um, being vulnerable, I think that has like the, such a great capacity to help so many people. Uh, so, guys, I also, too, I always say thank you to Dylan and Isha. They're doing so much hard work um, back west uh, in Victoria uh, for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, lots of things happening. Make sure you follow and subscribe uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay up to date with everything they're doing. Um, lots going on, too. Thank you to everybody that's uh, rallied around uh, the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, like I said, uh, I wish we were a little bit further ahead, uh, but unfortunately, these things take time. Um, and I'm learning as I get older, <laughs> taking longer than I had hoped. Uh, but patience is truly a virtue and uh, everything happens uh, in good time. And uh, look, I'm sweating because I was so mad that I had to restart again. I was running up, yelling at telling Matt all about it. <laughs> so I apologize. But... Uh, you know, everybody that's rallied around the Puck Support Foundation, it's been incredible. Uh, we really want uh, everybody to be involved, um, whether you're a, a former pro or junior player, whether you played minor hockey or rec, maybe you didn't play at all. Maybe you're a hockey parent. Uh, maybe you're a coach. Uh, but, you know, I want to touch quickly on, on being a hockey parent, you know, Uh I've spoken to a lot of guys, mostly guys and some females that play hockey as well, um, but more than people would ever believe. And I know I say it all the time, but I'm not, I'm really not exaggerating at all. Like I get messages all the time and I've talked to many former NHL guys, guys that had, you know, significant careers, Stanley Cups, um, and they're struggling uh, because it's hard. It's, it's hard to find uh, sometimes meaning a purpose. Sometimes guys are dealing with injuries, post-concussion syndrome, things of this nature. And uh, man, uh, it's it's very hard. And I think from a parent's perspective, like if you're a hockey parent, and you're watching this. Like, there's a good chance that things are things are great. Like, and uh, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, pray and hope that it stays that way. Uh, but sometimes things happen, guys, and uh, it can kind of blindside us. And when I was going through. Uh, my mental health and my addiction, well, I'm still going through my mental health battle, but my addiction, um, I just felt like there wasn't a whole lot of support. Um, certainly not uh, from my friends in the hockey community. And that's nothing that they were doing. I mean, that was that's on me as well. And um, there's just nothing in place. And uh, I really feel that if we can bring guys together, bring the hockey community together and, and just, you know, stay in that hockey family community and deal with our problems sort of internally, uh, I really think it's going to give us a greater chance for success. And then once that gets established, I foresee us, you know, helping people outside the hockey community. Um, obviously, I spent some time in jail uh, and, you know, I know what that's like and, and getting out of jail. You know, if I didn't have uh, my life as a hockey player and, and the things that I have, what would I be doing now? You know what I mean? So I just think about all these people that are struggling in the hockey community and out. But right now, our focus is internally in the hockey community. We want everybody to get involved. Even if you feel like 
maybe you can't contribute. I promise you, you can, uh, you know, and if you're struggling, I got some really good news. Um, this is just unbelievable. And yesterday uh, she came on board officially, Sandra Murray. Uh, she's from the States. She's done a lot of great work uh, with the OHL uh, and the NCAA teams. Uh, she's certified uh, in several areas with mental health and addiction. And she has offered to step up uh, and be available uh, to the to the guys and girls that need support. Uh, she is a licensed sports psychotherapist and um, several other titles uh, that I probably can't even pronounce uh, that I probably never even heard. Uh, but she's very well qualified and such a sweet lady. Uh, and uh, she has a story too. And I'm going to wait. I'm probably going to bring her on the podcast actually because she actually worked uh, with the Saginaw Spirit uh, when Terry Trafford committed suicide there. Um, and she was right uh, as she was part of the, uh, I don't want to say investigation team because that was the police, but uh, the internal uh, as far as debriefing the players and speaking with the teammates and all of that. So, you know, she's got her stance on it. And, and uh, you know, she's like me disappointed with, with some of the way things were handled. And uh, that's something that we're going to discuss. But the good news here is, Sandra is available. Uh, you can email her, Sandra at pucksupport.com. Uh, let me take down that banner and then you can see it. Sandra at pucksupport.com, guys. Um, she's an incredible lady. We're going to get it all set up so that it's not just chaotic so we can set up scheduling. But if anybody is suffering right now, please, please reach out. If not to her, if not to me, to somebody. Uh, it's okay. Like I said, it's okay to not be okay as long as you're, you know, reaching out for help or, or just adjusting and not living in um, that just that sickness of being alone and, and it's just not a good place. I know it all too well. I know it all too well. Quickly, too, before we get into it, Dave Gilmore, killer's brother, Doug Gilmore's brother, uh, is turning 70. I've been talking about this and I will be talking about this. He's turning 70 years old. On November 14th, yeah, he's going to run 20K and bike 50K to raise money for the Puck Sport Foundation. What? 70 years old. You should see this guy. Unbelievable. He's lost so much weight and changed his lifestyle from the time he was 50 to the time he was 70. I'm going to save it until the end and I'll post some pictures. It's unbelievable. But if you have him on Facebook, you know. Uh, what uh, Dave Gilmore is all about. He also, I talked about, worked in the prison system and did unbelievable things uh, for those guys and played pro hockey and all of it. Uh, but he's uh, he's going to raise money. Uh, this side, the Puck Support Foundation. Everything's backwards. I'm always like, ah, I don't know where I'm going. But listen, please, you can reach us, team at pucksport.com, T-E-A-M at pucksport.com, uh, or our website, of course, pucksport.com. Uh, and anywhere on social media. Please, guys, give us a follow. Um, and we're going to continue building that website with resources and everything. And please, please reach out uh, if you're struggling. Episode 57 is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. 
Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check them out. Teamissue.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. I'm always decked out head to toe team issued. Uh, I love the brand. Uh, I love Jess, former WHL alumni, teammate of mine with the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, Let's support them. The guys in the NHL, you're you're seeing them. uh, They're rocking it. And Mark Stone was wearing a team issued hat. Actually, this hat right here. uh, He was uh, wearing it in that documentary. If you can see my long hair too, I think I'm going to grow the flow. I am making a comeback into senior men's. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm going to grow the flow. We'll see though. I usually give up at the awkward stage. So we'll see. Um, we'll try it. I think Lincoln, the little guy, my little guy, he's going to grow his hair out too. All righty. I think that pretty much does it for the intro. If you had to watch it twice, I apologize. <laughs> uh, and I apologize to my guest, uh, for being so extremely patient. Um, <laughs> But let's do it. Let's get right in to uh, episode 57. When I was a kid, all I could think about was hockey. on a path that he thought would take him to the NHL. Now, Bill Keenan is sharing his story of how he overcame multiple obstacles to find fulfillment and redemption in the sometimes quirky world of European professional hockey. I wrote a book in 2016 trying to justify not making it to the NHL. What's your excuse for not making it to the NHL? Not good enough. (laughs) I have 300 pages of an excuse. You know, most 99.9% of us come to that conclusion, whether we like it or not, some sooner than others. And sometimes you're just not good enough. I think the trick is finding something, uh, a, a new discipline that you can segue into, whether it's writing, acting for some of us, use a lot of those things that we learned in hockey in, in a new kind of career. The now 34-year-old from New York City says it took him 20 years before he realized his dreams of becoming an NHL hockey star might not come true. Based on Keenan's 2016 book, Odd Man Rush, a just-released film follows the story of Keenan's life, from a scrappy five-year-old with dreams of making it to the NHL, all the way through his college career at Harvard. Yes. Odd Man Rush also showcases a glimpse into the world of European pro hockey. You must be the new American. Yes. The goal scoring forward is going to save the season. And the beauty of scoring the game's first goal in these European minor leagues. Welcome to Sweden. You're set with groceries for the week. Why did you think your story was so special to create a book and now a movie on it? I don't think it's that special. I think that's probably the reason that I wanted to do it because I think it was it wasn't about making it. It wasn't about making it to the top. And and uh, I hadn't seen that story really about chasing something pretty much knowing that you're not going to make it. There's a lot of humor in it and, and you have to maintain your sense of humor. 
when you're kind of in the face of overwhelming odds. You just get to a point where you realize, you know, I was a leading goal scorer, and then all of a sudden you're on the second line, you're on the third line, and then you're sitting in the stands, and you're not, you're a healthy scratch, and it's like this is this is the time has come. I kind of ad adopted a, a Canadian alter ego when I was younger. Hockey is is Canadian, so I I don't um, I don't have any ties, but I feel like I still maintain a little bit of a Canadian accent that I picked up in the locker room. Now Keenan has put hockey in the back seat and runs the business side of things at a digital newsletter company called Airmail. We've been publishing for a little over a year. It's also allows me to be around other writers, which which is it's really kind of my new it's my new hockey. Living the dream, aren't we? You do something long enough, you kinda don't know what you'd be without it. Yeah, well, maybe you find out who you are, but first find out who you're not. All right, guys, let's bring them in all the way from New York. Bill Keenan, what's going on, buddy? Good, man. Hey, listen, thank you so much uh, for being so patient. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the first time that that's ever happened. Uh, but hey, thanks for uh, sticking around. What a story you have, man. Let's... Uh, Let's get everybody informed a little bit about more about who you are. Uh, you grew up, you're not from Canada. We took, we saw that in the intro. Uh, you grew up in New York. What was that like uh, growing up right in New York City as trying to be a pro hockey player? And before I say anything else, let me say, while you were enjoying the Rangers 94 Cup win, I was crying in Vancouver. <laughs> They beat us. Uh, I was a huge Pavel Bure fan, lived in Vancouver. So you were celebrating. I love that part of the movie. Uh, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your childhood, man. Yeah. I mean, Bure was still, that was tough because he was also maybe one of my favorite players. So to see that, but I saw that image of him coming down on, on Richter. I mean, that was the second I saw those games, those, those playoff games in 94, that was like, I got to figure out how to get on that, you know, on, on MSG. Um, but but yeah, there's a reason hockey players don't don't come from Manhattan. It's just growing up, you know what I mean? Like it was, uh, you know, th there was it was going out to New Jersey, going out to Long Island, going out to Connecticut, and it was just the best memories I have were those tournaments in Canada because you'd be at your hotel and there's a rink within shouting distance, and yeah. and you know what I mean? There's like five rinks all over the place. I mean, it was it was. Uh, you know, so I, I feel like kindred spirits, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, realistically, you guys aren't that far away. So you would have, you would have probably been up here quite a bit. Uh, what was the, what was the competition level like in New York? You must have had to, to go uh, a little bit further uh, away. And, and has it changed now? Is the hockey, ch the, the lifestyle change? Are there more kids playing in and around your area or is it virtually the same? No, it's absolutely it's changed, and 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 to you know, I'm just thinking now when when, when you were talking about uh, in, in that intro it was making me you talking about the hockey parents and like again like the uh, it, it wasn't that far, but but truly I was it, it made me think about uh, like there was a Calgary Stampede tournament up in July during the Stampede this this tournament in West Edmonton. I don't, I don't know if you ever went to that brick, 
they had this thing when you're like 10, 11 in that mall. Yeah, just yeah like, I didn't play in it, but I know the tournament. Right, right. But but so so it was like there was nothing. There was nothing in the city. Okay, well, like when I was growing up, no rinks. There was one. There was one place that was like a. a it, it was on the second floor down, um, kind of in Midtown. The second floor, really tiny. It looked out onto like Broadway. And, and if you've ever been to Manhattan, I mean, it's not a rink. Like it, it was just like frozen. It was just like a, 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 a pile of ice they put down and there'd be figure skating. I mean, it was it was a far cry from like you couldn't go out there with, you know, a stick, let alone like a puck. Right. So you're skating around with no stick like it's not hockey. I don't know how to skate without a stick. So so like, you know, I had the parents finally just they, they drive me all over. But you look now like you look you, you look at guys. I mean, you, you don't have to go that far. The Rangers, you know, they've got they've got that kid that. uh just from Long Island, Adam Fox. I mean, every team now you've got these guys that they might not be from Manhattan, but growing up kind of uh, within, you know, relatively close to, to the city. And I think it's a function of, it's like how the game has grown in the, in the Southwest. You have guys that have come, played, they settle down with their families, and then, you know, they start coaching. And now there's much, much better coaching here in the city. Chelsea Piers, we've got some facilities, so we're not we're not on like you know t- Toronto's kind of yeah. standards quite yet, but we're on our way. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I mean, I don't know what's happening with COVID nineteen and all the minor hockey, but I'm sure uh, kids are going to play no matter what, and that's the main thing. Is I just hope um, through all of this that the kids still get to to get out on the ice and get that exercise because it's going to affect their mental health huge, and uh, we're going to see. I think we're going to see some some major effects from this and inside and outside of the hockey community with, with kids. And just if uh, they can't get back to doing things normal, because I know for me, hockey was a huge outlet and I'm sure it was the same for you. Without question. In fact, it's funny. I was talking to a guy um, who has a son who was 11 and just like, just talking to this kid, he's got like, he's growing, he's got the hair, he's got the whole thing. Like I'm, I see, you know, like my younger self and this kid and they've got, they're they're like they're starting the season. They had they got tryouts coming up in October. I'm sure it's different, you know. And and they're and 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 obviously there's, you know, I I feel pretty good about like USA hockey having the right protocols. And I agree, like you got to get the, for for everybody's benefit for the kids for the parents. Like get these kids back around their peers. Yeah. Um. You know, you do it safely. You do it in the right rinks in the right way. And and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of now on that path where you're thinking about what it's like from the other side of the glass, looking at the little kids. That's, that's right. Um, so you, I mean, you went to Harvard. Uh, that's probably the most recognizable school. I mean, I don't know if it's like that in the States, but I mean, we watch movies up here in Canada, the Ivy league. Uh, there's a few very predominant schools, but I think Harvard, uh, most people would tend to agree that that's the most recognizable it is for me anyways and um that must have been a pretty cool experience uh you actually played with a guy that i played with for a short period of time alex kalorn but uh talk us talk to us a little bit about your time at harvard um the experience of the hockey the school and all of it um must have been an amazing time i know listen before i do know we want to talk about you you had some struggles there too but let's talk about you getting there originally your first like get there. How was your feeling and, and the, the surrounding and all that before we get into the, the troubling time? The first, I can remember the first one pretty clearly because I was, I was a senior and I kind of knew like 
look, it wasn't, you start, you get to juniors and you start figuring out, okay, is this like probably a good thing to, to pursue college, want to play at the highest level. And that was the highest level, you know, opportunity I had. Um, and, and it still keeps paths open afterwards. It's not yeah. going to the OHL, but, but, um, or, or major junior, but, but it was, it felt like it was the right place. And I had, I had some friends from juniors. Um, and I remember I went on my visit when I was a senior and I, I ended up taking a year off after to, to, to play one more year juniors, but I had the weekend before my official visit, I went down to the West village in the city. I got this like white blazer that I was going to show up with, um, at the sleeves. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just watched Miami vice and, and I show up and, and immediately find like, not even on the, not even on the team, like just show up, go to the first party. They're like, I don't know who this kid is, but he's fine. So I got fined. I was, I think, the only person to ever get fined on my first visit. Oh and, my god! Uh, you know, drank too much, threw up, and and came home. <laughs> you know, oh my god! Uh, it it was it was a it was a humbling experience. But but uh, but then when I got there, um, you know, for for my freshman year, it was it's it's such a a level up once you know when you're kind of eighteen, nineteen, and and you're kind of in that you know, there's guys that are 22, 23, um, that have played at that level it was a huge step up, but, but it was, it was a lot of fun to, to, to kind of try to compete at that level because that was, that was really like, I, I kind of knew probably around 16 or 17, that was, that was probably the, the highest I would make it. I kind of figured. So, um, <laughs> Well, hey, man, it's Harvard, though. You got you uh, you ended up, you know, playing hockey there. But let's talk a little bit about what happened. I mean, I don't know the story because me and you have talked just briefly, um, but you missed you missed some hockey um, due to an injury. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, look, I, I think uh, this this is this is hockey. Like, you don't know when it's going to come, if it's going to be when you're a little kid, when you're. 18, 19, or when you're 25 or 30, and maybe it comes throughout. It really comes pretty much as long as you're playing. Um, but but uh, but yeah, it was. I was a sophomore, and and I remember going in, and and you can't like it's one of those things you can't say anything. Like you're thinking like, look, I'm hanging on by a thread. Like I want to you know crack the lineup, and I thought I had this this uh, like a torn hamstring because I remember thinking this isn't like a muscle thing. Back of my leg is killing me. So I, so I, after practice, I went to the trainer and, you know, they do a couple of things and, and basically it was kind of like, you know, don't be soft. Yeah. It was one of those messages. And, and, and so it was, that's kind of where it started where you're like, okay, don't be soft. Like, you know, this is, this is a mental thing. This is something I got to deal with. And, and that's where it sort of spiraled because I didn't go for another, you know, few weeks. Uh, I, I didn't end up kind of digging more into it. And ultimately, what I found out it was nothing to do with a muscle. It was a, it was a herniated disc, two herniated discs that basically was this nerve pain. And like wow. anything else, a nerve is like, a, you know, it's it's a living thing. It's not like a bone that heals. So basically, trying to push through, you know, the injuries you push through, yeah. and the injuries you don't. So that kind of misdiagnosing that at the beginning, kind of yeah, ends up with surgeries and that sort of thing, <laughs> you know. So that that kind of put me on the shelf for longer longer than I had thought. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I think it, it, it's, it's especially tough because 
like you know, as, as you well know, it's it's not a, it's not even the injury as much as it is then the isolation, because then all of a sudden you're in the locker room and you didn't play in the game, but you got the suit on. You didn't practice, but you're with the guys in the locker room, and and you, there's a distancing that happens. That that's that's something that that is a byproduct of injuries. That you know you, that that there's really not. I, I I felt you know kind of more and more that that takes a toll in your head. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. Listen, I think that uh, that's something I think that gets overlooked by by I think players as we I think I felt it, but I didn't think about it. I don't think a lot of people. Um, that's something that people don't even really think about that happens. Uh, and, you know, I've gone through injuries as well. And it's a it's a really hard thing to deal with while it's going on. And then how about the recovery time coming back? Uh, were you able to come back and play with Harvard after that injury or what happened there? Yeah, no, it, it is so true because like coming back never gets like you. I, I don't know. For me, it was it it never got easy. Like like you, when you come down, like you 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 lose like endurance like that, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's just like it's so easy to like coming back is painful every single time. And and I basically tried to come back my junior year. I had two surgeries on my back. Came back my junior year, and it was it was it was too early, and I ended up I ended up. Uh, uh, basically getting this high ankle sprain, which was another one that they, they, I thought sprain and ankle sprain, like, this is like, I'm, you know, give me a break. And they're like, well, if you actually want to play, we're going to have to do, put screws in your ankle. So, so when I was a junior, they did, I had two more surgeries. They put the screws in, screws break. And it basically, and that was kind of a function of not recovering from the back. Yeah. Because you have one injury and then you compensate, you know what I mean? And so that was really, so, so the answer is no. Basically, my senior year, I tried to come back, had two surgeries on my ankle, and and that was, that kind of sealed it. So while you were going through this, and this isn't to point fingers at at anybody, I just this is just to raise awareness, and I don't even know the answer to this. While you were going through that, um, there's a couple questions here. Like you you touched on it. Obviously, the distancing it's a it's a mental thing. How did you handle it mentally? Um, and were you offered any services? Uh, to deal with that like did anybody come to you and say hey bill um we know you're going through an injury uh you know can we help you with anything going on mentally outside of the the recovery process for the actual injury now this isn't before you answer i want to be perfectly clear this isn't to say oh harvard didn't do it this is i just want to say if it didn't happen this just doesn't happen anywhere and that is why i want to bring it up and, and i'm hoping maybe it did so maybe you can touch on that and just talk about your your experience mentally while you were going through it and where whether there was support there you know they're pro here, here's the truth is there probably was i mean harvard has support for everything I didn't go looking for it because I just figured I'm, I'm, you know, like, don't be soft. You know, this is, you'll be fine. And the truth is I was at Harvard. So, you know, I, I would talk to, I, I had people rooting for me. Like I, I was not some, you know, th this, I, I, I needed to, th this was sort of the first adversity. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of an adverse event to have an injury playing the game you love. Um, and, and I, and I, I, I don't think I seized any opportunity to to seek um, to seek help, and and it left. I mean, that's honestly that experience was the reason I ended up writing um, and kind of honestly what I do now because it was 
it sort of drove me away from one thing and kind of a, a place where I was like, I got to figure out how to channel this. Um, and, and so I guess, I guess, you know, to answer your question, I, they, they probably had stuff. I don't think I was aware enough to say, Oh, this might be something I want to talk to someone. Cause it was just like, you know, it was, it was, it didn't even cross my mind, um, which, which, it, which it should have. And, and, you know, I think my thought was like, just try to get into something else. You know, I, I complained to people like, look, you're at Harvard, go, go, go pursue, you know, a class, find something else. But it, it's not that easy just to give up on hockey. So I, I, uh, I think at that stage at 18, 19, I was 20 years old, just not mature enough to say, wow, this is something that, that maybe in the long term, um, it might be helpful to just start talking to someone about this. That's right. And I'm glad you said that. And I'm sure that Harvard had probably many programs, but this is the thing is that, you know, your attitude towards it is, you know, don't be soft because you don't want to be looked at as soft. That's the culture of hockey. And I think there's some, there is some good there to have that sort of mentality in some nature. However, I will say that for me, I think, you know, if we can start, you know, bridging that gap and, and just allowing kids to know that they can talk about things earlier. And I think, you know, you know, you mentioned that you, you're taking ownership. I hear you taking ownership saying that you didn't go seeking or looking for it. And that's, and that's, that's true, right? You didn't. But at the same time, I hear you say, well, you know, I was 18, 19, 20, I'm immature. So again, it's not your fault. It's not a school's fault, but I'm saying I, I would like to see some sort of um, program where, you know, the onus isn't on that teenager or young adult um to go looking like maybe there should be uh somebody that that is more in your not in your face like you know bugging you but just a little more available to say hey you know questioning because i think sometimes um people uh won't go looking for help on their own mm -hmm. especially not in the hockey dressing room. the guys don't want to look soft in front of their teammates or their coaches right Absolutely, without question, and and you know I got to say I think they probably changed that because it, it it it's somewhere in the middle. That's the answer. The answer is make it available, make it obvious, and and don't don't have some stigma around it. And I think it's going away. Like I I've been you know it's been, I've been removed from the game now for a little bit, but it feels like having on staff, um, whether it's college or juniors or or pro you know, someone just as important as, you know, the team physio, there's someone that, that can, can help with the mental side because it's a grind and it's, it's, it's also a whole slew of things. It doesn't have to be some big injury that keeps you up for the season. It doesn't have to be an injury at all. It could be something totally different, but, but having that, having that person there and, and having it be, I agree, having it be something that's more standardized that that is is kind of treated the same way as a physical injury like here this is someone um and and being able to kind of uh to be open and just to have the outlet just to have the option there knowing it's there yeah and i you know and i think too there's a lot of um and let me say too and i i'm gonna play the um the trailer for the movie here in a second but let me say man like the way that you you wrote that um, I haven't read the book, but the way that the movie is put together, uh, unbelievable. You touched on so many things um, that, 
you know, I've thought about throughout my life and that I know are present, like, you know, that the scene of the sounds in the hockey dressing room and the games of that the coaches and all that, man, you, the movie is just top shelf, man. Like, uh, everybody that I've talked to absolutely loves it. Um, and I think you, you guys, whoever else was involved in it, um, did just a phenomenal job. Um, the actors did a great job, but man, the story and the way that it was presented, um, unbelievable job. Uh, when did you, uh, decide, did you have an idea that you were going to tell your story, uh, while you were playing? Cause you, you went over and you were into the fourth division. Is that where you had to start because of everything that happened? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for watching it. I, in fact, the very first place I started was was there it is in Belgium, and I'll never forget that because I mean, go, going over there, it was it was basically a buddy that had played in that league that I called up. I was like, "Look, I'm done with school. Can you find something, something, someplace I can I can play?" And he said, "Yeah, I know, you know, a guy who's coaching and blah blah blah." And boom, it's like August, fly over. And it didn't even occur to me. I remember looking up the, I was like, all right, this is the, this is the town. This is where I'm going. It didn't even occur to me that like, I, I was, I was like, who was I going to meet at the airport? I had the ticket, but like, I didn't even, I'm like going to show up and like, I didn't even have a name. And I remember getting off the plane and then I'm going through customs and thank God I was able to like go one of those like internet cafes, check my email. Some guy Merrick is like, look, I'll be in this car. <laughs> I'm thinking, thank God, like, because I would have just been standing outside there in Antwerp, Belgium, just, just not knowing, you know, having hockey sticks, waving them in like, you know, the, I had the same experience when I went to Holland and oh my God, man, even the car and the going out in the middle of nowhere, I had the same freaking experience. I'm not even kidding. So just quickly, I'm just going to play the, uh, the trailer for everybody here. Just give me a sec. When I was a kid. All I could think about was hockey. Ah, a new guy from New York. That's me. L4 and 5 are really herniated. How do I get back on the ice? Cutter traded. Traded. Part of a package deal. What they get in return? Enough cash for a Bosch washer-dryer combo. You must be the new American. Yes. The goal scoring forward is going to save the season. And the beauty of scoring hey. the game's first goal in these European minor leagues... Welcome to Sweden! We start with groceries for the week. Living the dream, aren't we? Where's the uh, bathroom? Up the hill. Up the hill? Hey again. Thought I recognized you. I'm Elin. I'm Bobby. I just feel like we've been drifting apart over these past few minutes. Mm -hmm. This is a contract for the rest of the season. Thanks, gosh. All rise for the Honorable Judge Greybeard. 50 corner for that haircut. Make it 100, no one should look this good. What are you doing here? We're back to the NHL. You? Your dream is to go to the NHL? Yeah, something like that. What do you think the odds are that you'll go there? You do something long enough, you kind of don't know what you'd be without it. Yeah, well, maybe you find out who you are, but first find out who you're not. How's the girl? She's hot. How's she doing with you? <laughs> I realize I just don't really know you, that's all. Guess you don't. You ever thought about what you might do after hockey? I should really call my mom. I think she was really banking on this one working out.
Man, I love it. I absolutely, I honestly, everyone that's a hockey fan, especially a hockey player, you have to see it. Uh, it's right up there with like now my favorite hockey movies. Um, excellent. Uh, what was the biggest challenge in in writing the book? Because that's something that I'm I'm looking at doing, and obviously my story is a little different than yours. But uh, you know, if somebody was was going to be writing a book about their story, uh, what would be your first uh, suggestion uh, and uh, what were, were some of the biggest challenges? Well, I want you to write that first of all. So you're going to get it done at some point. So that that's, you got to make that promise. Yeah. No, it's, right. it, it's got to happen. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, the challenge was, uh, you know what, it, I, it's, it's just a battle to sit down every day and, and, and write. Um, but I think what I realized is when I started doing it, I mean, I started pretty much right after I, I quit and it was, I would, I was, I would talk to buddies and think like, man, there's, you know, you'd be writing emails and, and trying to like craft some story about something. And, and, and I was like, oh, it's just, I realized like, I actually, this is kind of fun. I was never like a big reader or writer growing up, but I actually like writing the emails about this stuff. I remember thinking back, like I, 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 I used to work at the hockey camps at Chelsea Piers and, and the guy that ran him was my youth hockey coach growing up in Connecticut, this team, Connecticut Yankees. And he used to like this guy, he, he was my coach when he was like 25 and I was 25 at the kind of when we reconnected and I'm working for him at these camps. And he was, he was get, telling me these stories about, he's like, you remember, you know, uh, you know, DJ's mom and so-and-so I'm thinking, of course, like, and he starts telling me these stories. I'm like, oh, shit, these are crazy things. I had no idea that they're happening. So I remember like, man, this is this was fun to do, to kind of rehash, go down memory lane and fill in the blanks and stuff like that. So it, it was basically like all of a sudden I got that urge and I started writing and I felt like this is the one thing that almost recreated being on the ice. It yeah. truly was like, I'm uh, that's what you lose is like, it's not about, I was talking to somebody like, I didn't win shit when I was a hockey player. And I, I'm telling you right now, the last thing I won was the Silver Sticks tournament. And I don't know if you know it, that's like a, that's like a minor, I don't even know if that's peewee, that might be squirts. Yeah. And I remember we won it and I and I was sick and I basically, I played like two shifts that game. I didn't contribute at all. And we won Silver Sticks. It's the last thing I think I ever won as like a hockey player for like, and so it's like, it, it had nothing, so I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, it has nothing to do with winning for me. It had like it's all it's fun to win championships. Don't get me wrong; it's awesome to score, but it had nothing to do with it, why I kept doing it. And I realized like all these things, these people I met, all the stuff that happened, and and being able to like put that down in sort of a narrative form was, you know, the the challenge is just like is is actually just doing it and and getting into that groove. And but if you commit to it, I think every day. Um, whether it's a page or half a page or five pages, whatever you have, um, you know, it's just like anything else. You gotta, you gotta just decide like, this is what I want to do and then follow through. Yeah. And well, I think, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing is just getting down, getting, sitting down and, and getting it on paper. So what about the transition, um, from the, the book to the movie, uh, when did that come to fruition? Uh, what was that the decision around that? Um, and how involved were you uh, as far as the actual, um, you know, filming process went? Yeah, 
I mean, that was another one where I finished the book and I was like, this was awesome, but, but now I got to do something else. And I ended up getting a job at a bank and, and, and it was more just like, you know, move on. Right. I'm thinking to myself, go do something else. And, and, and very early on, I realized, you know, part of me really resented hockey when I left because it was like, man, I, I did all this. I tried. I thought really hard. I knew I wasn't the most skilled, but like, and this is where it left me in like playing the last season in like the Arctic Circle. Like this is this is it. And and so I resented it. And I was like, I'm going to write after I wrote the book, I'm going to move on. And I realized like this just I just can't function in this in this world with some people that don't understand me. And that was what I found. And and a girl that I worked with at this bank, someone had said, oh, Bill wrote a book. She said, who's going to play you in the movie? Like kind of being an asshole. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, that's not, you know what? Maybe I'll try to write. And and so that, that night I started, I had no idea how to write a screenplay, but I just started writing. And, wow. uh, and I ended up, I mean, really like the whole story is about finding my way back to hockey people because the people that produced the movie – they were all hockey people. And yeah. the whole thing, like, I, I guess if I had to, I, I realized through the whole thing how indebted I am to the game because it really, anything that has happened for, for good for me is is all because of hockey. It's people yeah. I met. It's it's so much that even if you're not on the ice, it's there's people, like you said, parents, coaches that – uh, it, it, it's just, there's no, you know, there's like the knee jerk reaction, right? You break up with someone like, I'm never going to, and that's how you initially feel, but you know what, you got to go back out there. And the whole thing was just a ploy to get back into the hockey world, you know? Yeah. And well, Hey, you did it and man, you, you, you killed it. So how involved were you with the actual filming process of it? Like while they were filming, were yeah. there to make sure things were happening the way you wanted, or did you have it laid out or? Yeah, I mean, so I, I wrote the very original version of the screenplay, sent it to some people, and the, and the people that responded right away were, were, were hockey people, and they ended up making it and getting some more hockey people involved who were producers. I, I was I was there for the actual shooting of the film. I think I was there for three days, and the whole thing was shot, I want to say, like 19 days. So it was pretty quick. It's a small independent film. It was shot up in upstate New York. Um but I was, I was, I, you know, I rewrote the script with the eventual director and on the casting and talking to people, I was involved as far as kind of what, you know, what sort of feel we wanted. But when it came down to the actual shooting, I was, I was actually not really there. In fact, they shot at nights. So they would do night shooting because it's just cheaper and you'd have access to the rinks or whatever. So 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And, and I'd get up in the morning at, 7:30, and the director who I wrote it with would be finishing his day, and I'd get a call every morning. This was for like the three weeks they shot, and I'd be wake up in the morning just being like, "God, please pray that they got all the scenes because you shoot different scenes." And he'd be like, "Hey," and he'd be like, "It was a good day, you know. I'll talk to you tomorrow." And then the next day he's like, "Yeah, we missed the whole scene. The bus wasn't there. This thing happened." I'm like, "So we'd have to rewrite stuff kind of on the fly." So I, it was it was uh, I was involved during the actual filming because we had to rewrite stuff. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool, man. That's, that must've been pretty cool. So when you got to see the, the first time you got to see it, did you see it before the premiere? Um, and were you, what was your initial reaction? And did you go back and change anything after you saw it the first time? You know? Yeah. I saw, I, I saw like a, like a very original rough cut 
Um, and I was able to go see when they started editing it, the director and the editor, I went up for a couple of days to Syracuse to just check out. Cause I just, I like film and I realized like, I kind of want to be in this world. I wasn't going to be a director or editor or whatever, but I wanted to see how it was made. So I saw it and, and it's crazy because like the, honestly, there, a lot of stuff changed. Like it's in a, you write a book, it's you. It's like, there's nobody tell, like every word on that page in that book, like there wasn't a word changed by anybody. Um, and then the movie is much more collaborative. So like you have to, there's a lot of input from different people and and the movie changed. Like they in, in film world, they talk about there's three movies. There's the movie that you write, the movie you shoot, and the movie you edit. And so it was it was cool to see. Like there was a lot of a lot of things that um, uh, you know, I felt like they we we were able to get out of it, but it's it's a really tough process to distill a story into a into a movie. Um, so it was, it changed. Like there's a lot more love story than, than I had anticipated. And it was sort of a puzzle. You have these different scenes that when you look at the script that we wrote, it was actually different sequence than what's in the actual film. So there's, it's a whole, like, I, I, I'm shocked films get made in the first place, knowing what a nightmare it is to like shoot the thing, the people, the manpower you have to have up there. I'm not fit to be like a director um, or I just like the writing. Yeah. And well, man, keep it up because you, you do a great job. I want to read. I can't wait to read the book. Actually, I'm going to order it. Um, uh, no doubt. I'm like I'm set to read it. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. Uh, were you were you pretty happy uh, with the movie? Um, and uh, what what's been the overall uh, consensus from from the hockey community? Yeah, I, I think the goal the goal was to was to get A to get something made and B to try to get the essence of the book. And that that I think we did a good job. And I think the it's it's definitely you gotta pick like one or two things uh, specific. So we basically like like a lot of movies that, that um are are kind of the, the a sort of slice of life film, you usually kinda go to the end because the end is the really has the most stuff happening. That's where like the drama and and kind of decisions need to be made. Do you keep going? Do you give up? Like all these. So we we uh, I think we I, I think we got the essence. You know, when I look at when I look at things, I'm just the type of person that I, every time, and I've I've only seen it once after it was fully done, and and it was just like I'm like, man, we could have had this line, or we should have done this. So you kind of see all the shortcomings, but but I, I'm thrilled with with how it came out and and that just everyone just being a part of it to me, it's like anything else. Like if you're in it for the championship and, and for the accolades, I just don't know if that's the way to approach things. I think it was to me, I just love being the process, the writing, being a part of it. And and that's like, that's why I want to do it. Not necessarily for the, for the end product. And for, for as far as the reception, I think, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> we'll see. I think, I think the, the, the jury's still out, um, but but I, I'm happy. I'm happy with, with how the people that I know, um, you know, that were part of it, they liked it. And, and that's kind of, you, you kind of throw it out there and, you, you know. Yeah, well, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm just looking to see uh, see who's commenting uh, on this, on, on the video. But no, man, I, I can't tell everybody uh, enough how much I love the movie and everybody I've, like I said, talked to and Matt and I are actually going to watch it, uh, 
watch it tonight and i'm hoping actually i think taylor my girlfriend's really gonna like the movie uh it, you got you really do a good job i really you know part i like in the movie is how uh i don't know who takes credit for this but if you wrote this in but um how like everybody freezes and, and you're talking directly to the camera i don't know who came up with that idea um but i like that all the good ideas weren't me <laughs> they're everybody else like it's funny though that was the director he he the director used to work with a guy named John Cusack, who did, yeah. you know, he's an actor, right? He was in Con Air and High Fidelity. And yeah. so High Fidelity is, is is a movie we looked at because it was sort of this thing where this guy loves music, he's got the girls, and he's trying to figure his shit out. And he's, you know, late, mid, late 20s. And so he does that thing where he's talking to the camera. So the director was like, hey, what if we tried this? It, it would help kind of get the inner monologue that's in the book out. Um, so he he gets credit for that. and And... You know, it's funny because as the writer, I remember thinking this is cool. You get to see people say your words. And and when I watched it, when it was finally done, the the, the lines I loved the most were the ones that the actors ad-libbed. You know, so I can't even take credit for those either. But, but that's what you want. You know what I mean? It's like it's like when you pass to someone, right? You get the assist. Now, he might have, like, dangled through the whole team, but you just gave the outlet pass, right? That's but so, right. You know what I mean? Like you're still part of it. And, and it's it's gratifying to see someone take, you know, it's like when you make a play, what's the most fun plays to watch are those like tic-tac-toe crazy, you know, three on twos where it's like these guys are in sync. And seeing that to me was very much like you throw out your words and then the actor takes it and they embrace it and they kind of channel their own thing. So that was such a cool thing to feel. It was like feeling that hockey experience that I had, but in a new medium. Well, yeah, and then you have to remember that they wouldn't have been making those lines if you didn't write the book exactly. in the first place, right? So, right. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, what what's up with Bill Keenan these days? Uh, I know you wrote another book um, that didn't really have too much to do with hockey, but uh, <laughs> what, uh, what's on the uh, what's on the agenda? What's next? Yeah, no, I mean, I want to keep writing. Yeah, that book was 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 uh, the misadventures on Wall Street. But, but, you know, it's funny because it was very much about trying to find a new hockey. It was about finding like, okay, am I, I go go do something else. And, and ultimately that book was basically like that, that was a big failure. That was not, I did not find it. But, but again, writing about it, I found, I found it. So um, still writing, you know, working on a couple projects, some, some TV pitches, some screenplays, um, and then I have a day job where, where I still am involved in the numbers, but but I'm around, it's it's a publication called Airmail and it's fun. I'm around people that are writers and editors. Um, the guy that runs it's actually Canadian. So, yeah. you know, hockey was how I ended up finding him, to yeah. be honest, you know, it was, it was, and again, that's just like everything that I have, I owe to the game in some way. You know, there's always a path that led back to hockey, which yeah. is you start realizing how much and, and to, to just continue to be a part of it, even after, you know, you hang them up. Uh, that's right. And I think that's the thing that I'm really noticing too. And it's, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you watched the Stanley cup finals, right. Yeah. But um, Jamie Ben was my former line mate and junior. And I, I played with Luke Shannon and you obviously know Kalorn. Like that's pretty cool to see a guy you played with, yeah. um, you know, getting to like, so for me, I never got to, and I played with Stanco. So when, when these guys raised the cup, um, you know, there he is in Harvard. Um, but when you get to see there's Stamkos and there's Kalorn, like, so for us, like that's, you know, that's the closest maybe we come to, to winning a Stanley cup. 
Um, but at the same time, you, like you said, hockey is the vehicle um, that has driven every opportunity, virtually every opportunity that I've got. Um, anything good in my life has come directly from hockey um, or indirectly from hockey. And even being able to come out of the places that I came out of from my addiction and all of that, um, it, I latched on. Like I literally um, started the podcast and, and the hockey community pretty much just dragged me back in. And, and I'm so grateful for that. And now if I don't have that, I, I don't even know if I'm alive today. So uh, like yourself, obviously different stories, different paths, but, um, you know, the ups and downs um, and hockey seems to always uh, be that driving vehicle. So it, it's, I mean, it's very cool. Um, do you get on the ice at all anymore? Yeah, I got to tell you that it, it's so true. And, and the one thing I would add to that too is that it's, this is the cool thing about hockey is that it can connect some, you know, it can connect us. And, and there's an immediate, uh, you know, there's an immediate bond. I'm, I feel like I'm back in the locker room. And, and I just remember thinking one of the things that stuck out, though, that, that I was just thinking of is, is like, this is something I would never have, have experienced if it wasn't for hockey. But there was a uh, there was a time in Sweden because at, at some point you, you, you come across like the beauty to me is like I'm getting to meet people from all over all different yeah. walks of life. And, and you're talking about sort of like the, the idea of the closest to the Stanley Cup. And I remember in Sweden playing a game, and this is really the middle of nowhere. Like this is a type of place that like when we were at the rink, okay, you could see all the houses in the village. From the front entrance of the rink, you could see every every house that was in this village just standing there. Like you do like a 180 and, and that's, that's, the, that's the town. But yet there's a guy, Mike Danton. So he was another guy that, right. He had, so he had a, a crazy history and he was basically, he was in the same league in, in, in Sweden. And, and just one, one of the most memorable things that I wanted to share was, was, uh, so we played and, and it was one of those guys I'm thinking like, I got to stay way out of this guy's way. Like I, this guy's out of control. And that's what made him so good, the unpredictability. So he ends up the next night, there's this big wake up and, and something happened at this game. And, and um, you know, something happens in the small town Sweden. So it never really got out. But there was a guy on the opposing team who had a, like a, some sort of pre-existing condition. And he starts convulsing on the ice. And this guy, no one has any idea what to do. And, and it was Danton skates out to the ice. This is in the middle of the game and starts – doing CPR and all these things that he had learned when he was in prison and saves this guy's life. Now they, there was like no medical people there on hand. And this is, again, like I said, this was at a rink in the middle of nowhere. There's no hospital for this guy to go to. So unless you have someone that knows how to save someone that's in this position and there you go. Yeah. So he basically saved this guy's life. He, he didn't basically, he saved this guy's life there that night. Um, and it was due to this this stuff that he learned when he was he was in prison back back home after after kind of his career kind of shattered. But he pulled himself up, went to you know went to Europe for a couple of years. Now he's back back home in Canada. 
Yeah, unbelievable. Actually, I, I reached out to him like a couple weeks ago and talked to uh, his assistant in the office or whatever. But I know his story well because I've actually, when I was in rehab the first time, I read his book, not his book, but um, I don't think he wrote it, but, you know, the book about his story. I don't know if yeah. you know about his actual story, though. He, about the hired, he, you know, there was this yeah. player agent that, you know, he wanted to, he was just going crazy, mental health, mental yeah. And 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 uh, other things going on, and that's what it got to, right? And he ended up doing four or five years in prison. But look, look what happened. He learned that he got out, he got to play hockey, and he saved a life. That might be the coolest story. Thank you for sharing. How crazy that. is that? Yeah. Thank you and, for and sharing. Now he's got he's, he's he's got he's coaching. It, it sounds like I was in touch with him because I I yeah. said we we there's actually a character in the movie based off as you know it's not that particular experience but sort of adapted from it because that was, that was, it was so, I mean, I sit there and I was thinking, this is hope. Like this guy's trying to make it back to the show and he's here in like the middle of nowhere. So maybe there's an opportunity. And then that next day it was like, like, forget like that. That's not what matters. Like we've got a guy here. That's, that's like, I mean, he's, he's uh, it's, it's like the coolest redemption story um that's what i saw yeah what a cool story man thanks for sharing that with me no i'm a yeah. huge huge mike dan fan his name real name is mike jefferson he actually yeah. changed his name um actually matt thompson his dad lt lauren thompson we were just talking about him two nights ago yeah. so literally he was standing just we were just talking about him a couple nights ago so what a cool story um but yeah what a great story of redemption and like Pretty, yeah, pretty cool. I was wondering who that who that was in the movie. I know it's not based on the actual experience, but I was wondering who the guy uh, yeah. trying to get back to the NHL was. Um, and and now people can know it's Mike Dan and, and to yeah. go on with that story. Incredible. What a guy. Yeah. And, to, yeah. and to think he learned it of all places in prison, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure you would tell it, sir. But that was, that, I remember, that was huge. That was huge. And, and I think he had a great year and he moved up. And I think he played another couple of years and was in Poland. And oh yeah, yeah it's just it's good that, that it, it's it's I, I think finding and, and I don't want to speak for him, but finding a way back to hockey and, and kind of being able to end on his own terms and you know it's it, it really is like a it's 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 an incredible. I mean, it ultimately was a sanctuary for a lot of us, and and you lose that, and it, you just got to figure out how to find your way back to those people um, in the world. Yeah, and I, that's that is so true. And I I know he actually Mike is he's running a hockey school and stuff. So you know what I mean. You, the the redemption there. You know he he made a mistake. Uh, he paid he paid the price. He did his time. Um, and and he found his way back to hockey. I know he started in Canadian University, but you know managed to go back to pro and and you know save a life. And now he's given back by coaching. So again, um, there's so many great stories of redemption out there. And I just think like just anybody listening, you know, you're never you're never done until you're done. You know what I mean? If you're here, if you're breathing, uh, you have an opportunity um, to, to really do good, not just for yourself, um, but for everybody. And I think it's just all about changing your perspective, your attitude, and really about who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And and I think for me, speaking like, you know, like you mentioned about just being around the environment and, and I can imagine working in the environment at Airmail is sort of like that team atmosphere uh, in a sense. Plus, you're getting to learn from some great writers and stuff. So um, I think you're very lucky um, that you you found 
uh, something else um, that you, you know commands your your passion um, and attention the way that it does and is driving you to get out of bed every day because I think for a lot of us I know for me for a long time uh, when I didn't have hockey it just felt like I might as well not even be alive right and it was so you know the podcast and the foundation that I've started or that we've started a few of us I shouldn't say I because it's not just me um, but it's been the you know the driving force for myself so I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. Got some comments coming in. Uh, looks like from a couple of uh, former teammates of yours. Uh, <clears throat> we got a Mark Demassi. Uh, do you know a Mark Demassi? Yeah. Said I played with Billy Keenan growing up. Uh, I played on the Junior Bobcats and Apple Corps with him. When is he coming on? Well, he's on right now, bud. <laughs> Mark Demassi. I mean, that, he actually played on that. You know, it's funny. He played on as he played on those teams. He also played on that Yankee team. I was telling you about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was the Long Island character. That was <laughs> that's hilarious. It's, um, also, Ian uh, Silvis has amazing chat here. Uh, love what Bill added about the byproduct of isolation isolation from injury and i I, i'll second that i loved what you said there also david carlson says brady write your book looking forward to writing uh or looking forward to your story and movie Uh, i don't know about that uh but we'll see um you know there's lots of good stuff coming in i get most of my viewership is is not this is the video thing is all new um this is like the third video we we do mostly audio uh but i I appreciate everybody um you know watching um sharing their feedback uh you know what's your biggest focus right now moving forward um do you have a, a wife kids uh what's what's the future hold for you uh immediately uh and where do you see yourself say 10 years down the road no wife and kids, not now, but uh, uh, that's probably, I suspect from what, from what I gather and seeing what's happening with all my friends, feels like that's probably coming sooner or later. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's uh, continuing to write. I, you know, like it's, it's just like, it's the same thing with hockey where you go out there, like you, you, you just battle every shift and then you know, maybe the team wins and you go play in the all-star, t- you know, whatever. Like, you, you can't help that. You can't help what ends up happening. So I realized, like, rather than say, you know, this is – I want to be here in 10 years, I just want to continue writing. I've got ideas. Write them down. Work with people I like. These I'm, I'm doing more stuff with two of the uh, hockey producers that I worked with on the first film. And, like, whatever that brings, bad or good, just, just – I, I, I can't – determine that but i do know that finding this finding writing and and being able to pursue it that's i just hope i'm still writing in 10 years that's yeah. what I, would say. I don't know where it's going to lead yeah and i'm sure there's there's no reason why you why you can't be and i think uh do you have any projects in mind not like any um anything is there like a uh a, you know a part two to your book to your story um you think uh do you do you like to write uh like fiction or is it just real life stories what what is the uh the focus um and uh do you do you foresee um really getting into the film industry yeah i i, I would say i'm open to everything and anything and honestly i what's what's crazy now that that uh it's and this this is when i found it's like you know <sighs> God, there's a guy. There's a guy named David Kelly who who was. He's a huge TV writer. Like he's done. 
Uh, he wrote in all these legal shows, um, and, and he's done uh, pretty, what's it called, Pretty Little Liars. I actually have, oh, Big Little Lies. I got the book that they adapted right here on my shelf. Yeah. He was a hockey player, and um, he, he, he ended up finding his way into writing, and very much, he's now someone I look to, kind of the new sort of, it used to be Adam Graves on the Rangers, and now it's this guy that was a hockey player, and now is a, a TV writer. And he just keeps talking about you find the next thing. There's value and currency in just the doing of it. And so I've got now like I've got one sort of a, it's an adaptation of the second book that I'm working on. I'd love to do like a hockey sort of series. I think that could be fun. That hasn't really been done. Um, it, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the same thing as the movie, but but something where it's sort of that that time of your life. And, and just being in the hockey world, doing that, I think th those are sort of the two things I've got um, happening now. And, and then, I, you know, you never know. It's, 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 it's very much like hockey where the odds are, are against you for the most part, but, but that's not the reason to, to not, you know, you, you, if you want to do it, you kind of just, I, I can't help it. That's what I want to do. So it could be a huge failure. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. I don't think so, man. I, I think you're. Uh, I think you're headed uh, exactly in the right direction, bud. And uh, man, uh, I just. Uh, I think we'll. I think we'll wrap it up here. But I'm sure we will bring you back on, back on again. I mean, man, you're you're welcome to come on anytime. Uh, and I would uh, encourage anybody um, to follow Bill on Instagram. Um, trying to pull up the picture here. There you go. Unbelievable, eighty-six. Yeah. That's you, right? That's me. Yeah, I'm not that interesting on Instagram. I'd follow you. You got well, more. You got cooler stuff going on. No, I don't know. Follow and see what's going on. At least you stay up to date with what's going on. Any new projects coming down the stream? Um, also, guys, uh, be sure um, to uh, watch Odd Man Rush on demand, um, and you can order the book anywhere, probably on Amazon, all that stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. It's available everywhere. Um, Bill, man, I'm looking forward to uh, building a friendship uh, and we'll talk lots uh, off air and uh, talk more about the Puck Sport Foundation and, and ways you can get involved there. And uh, I know that's something that we talked about and, and we didn't get to talk too much about today. But hey, man, we got we got lots of time. Uh, and, you know, uh, if you ever when the borders open back up, if you ever come back up to Canada, we're hoping to host a three on three tournament, actually. All right. <laughs> yeah. For the Puck Sport Foundation. So it. Darren McCarty is going to come down and uh, Brent Sopel, I think. So a bunch of guys. It's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, man, um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I truly, truly appreciate it. This was awesome, Brady. Thanks for having me. It's so much fun. Anytime, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right. See ya. All right, guys, that's it. That's episode 57 of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Big thanks to Bill Keenan from Manhattan. Manhattan. I think it's Manhattan. Is that how you say it? New York. Um, I haven't spent too much time down there, and I don't know when I'm going to get down to the States with my criminal record now, but that's something that I'm really working on. And, uh, you know, I do. I say this all the time, but I can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Um, everybody that supported me, free for my family, uh, all the way out to all my guests, all the listeners, um, and everybody that just, you know, reaches out, whether 
Um, it's a, just a simple, kind comment uh, or words of encouragement. Um, you know, it. I, I can't get enough of it. It's, you know, my phone constantly is going off. And, and there was a time I've mentioned uh, not too long ago when nobody really had my phone number and I never had a phone number for longer than, you know, a month. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty dark, dark place. Um, you know, I think back to my birthday, well, two years ago. Um, I was actually, well, I had to go three years ago because um, I was in jail. And then he come back to this this past birthday. And I think I had like over like a thousand people like wish me happy birthday on Facebook, which is pretty standard, I think, for most people. But just the two years before that, I think I had like three. So, you know what I mean? It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I will say that I have done a lot. I, for myself, I've made decisions and, and done things for myself um, and made things happen for myself. Uh, I will say that. However, um, I compared to what other people have done for me, it's very, very minuscule. Um, I continue to do the work and put in the work. I'm not lazy. Um, I'm not afraid to get honest. Um, sometimes I say things, sometimes I'll make live videos and, and my emotions are like this. And, you know, sometimes I'll make a video. I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't say it, but then it's like, you know what? I am what I am and I'm authentic. And you guys can always, always know that whenever I'm talking, whenever I'm making a video, you're getting me the real me. I don't need to lie. I don't need to tell stories. I don't need to make shit up. Um, if I was going to do that, I sure shit wouldn't be on here telling you all the horrible stories of the things that I've done. In fact, I would have been lying, um, holding back um, because it's pretty embarrassing. Um, the places that I've been, the things that I've done, uh, the people that I've hurt, um, the things that I've lost. Uh, but I can sit here today um, with no question in my mind, um, you know, the only thing that I regret is the time lost with my kids. Other than that, I don't regret anything because without all the experiences that I've had, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't trade what I have right now for a 15 year career in the NHL with $100 million in the bank. And people can say I'm full of shit. I'm not. Because I can say that because I've had money. I haven't had lots of money, but I've had money. I've had a, like, you know, enough money to feel comfortable. I've also been homeless, like for eight months with nothing. Like, you know, you acquire stuff on the daily basis. And I always had money because I was doing crime and whatever, but nothing. I've had nothing, like nothing soaking wet, sitting there in the rain with a backpack, nowhere to go, starving, dope sick, all of it. So I can tell you that I can tell, I swear to God, I can tell you that I wouldn't trade it, not for millions of dollars, not for nothing. Um, I knew in those moments when I was homeless, I knew in those moments that I, it's something, it's just in my heart. I, I, I pushed through it because I knew that I, I was exactly where I needed to be to gain the exact experience that I needed to gain to do the things that I'm doing right now and the things that I'm going to do in the future. And that's not just me. Um, this is not about me. I don't even like to see my name behind me. That's why it's not the Brady Leavold Foundation. It's the Puck Support Foundation. I'm not fit 
to lead a foundation, maybe one day, who knows? But we want everybody to get involved. We want people like Sandra, <clears throat> like all the great ambassadors. Um, how lucky is the Puck Sport Foundation to have all the great people um, that have just agreed to, to do absolutely everything. Um, volunteer their time, um, helping with websites, pictures, whatever. Seriously, it's like whatever I ask help from the universe, it's like somebody is sending me exactly what I need. And, and thank you uh, to whoever's looking over me, God, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and thank you to everybody just for accepting me um, for what I am and for what I've done. Uh, I'm not going to ramble anymore. Um, please, though, I will ask. The, the GoFundMe page is still up. We've raised over $2,000. Um, the gratitude, the Puxport Foundation Gratitude Crusade. I'm going to start making some more videos. Um, I do want to say thank you to everybody who's donated. <clears throat> um, I think the goal is like $25,000. we are not anywhere near that. I've mentioned we don't need $25,000 right now. Um, probably need close to 10 with all the lawyer fees and everything. We're going to make the first payment to the lawyer, I think, coming up um, next week. It just keeps getting pushed, pushed back because um, things keep getting added to the list, but we are going to make that payment next week uh, to get the retainer and all that things to get the initial paperwork going. But the goal is 25,000. I swear to God, we're going to need 25 million, but that's not going to have to come from GoFundMe pages. Once we get incorporated, once we all do, do all the things that we need to do um, on the legal end, uh, we'll be able to go after government grants, um, both hopefully in the United States and Canada. Um, and then we'll be able to go after uh, the larger donors and be able to provide them with the, the tax receipts, um, which will make the world of difference. I hate that we had to start a GoFundMe page. I was very reluctant to do it. If I had the money, I would just, I would fund this whole thing. No question. I would go starving the rest of my life if I could see this thing um, take off um, and help people. Um, so we did it. Thank you to everybody. Even the $5 donations, I posed this question, can you afford $5? Can you afford to not go to Starbucks or Tim Hortons today and donate to the Puck Support Foundation? I'm gonna post the link in the description right now. Um, <clears throat> if you can't, I understand. Not too long ago, I couldn't afford $5, but that didn't mean that I couldn't press share or, or tell my family and friends about it. So please guys, um, if you think we're doing something not right, get involved get involved. We're totally transparent. Um, I'm not in charge of the finances. We have uh, somebody that's in charge. We, we're working on that, all that. I just want to be in the trenches helping people. That is it. That is it. Put me in the trenches. Let me help people. Let everybody else take care of the business end of things. I just want to help people. I want to get on the road and I want to help people. I know lots of people do. Um, but listen, everybody that donates um, will be uh, on the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Wall of Gratitude um, in the Matthew Lazinski uh, Memorial Studio in Utterson, Ontario. Um, the Puxport Foundation was founded on that basis, guys. Matthew Lazinski was an OHL hockey player that we lost uh, in 2017 uh, to an overdose. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know, Maddie. Uh, this was Matt Thompson's best friend. Um, and after the first episode, guys, uh, I've said this multiple times, you know the story. Matt Thompson reached out to me and shared the story of Matthew Lazinski with me. And since then, him and I have become best friends. Um, and we founded the Puck Sport Foundation. Um, and everything is in memory of Matthew Lazinski, um, as well as 
many others, uh, including Mitch Fadden, who played with myself and Alex Kalorn and Steve Stamkos with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both those guys, Lazinski and Fadden, tragically lost to fentanyl. Yep. And sadly, there's like five, six, maybe 10 junior and professional hockey players that I could tell you, I, I show you, that have also died from overdose. Never mind all the suicides you haven't heard about. We only hear about the NHL guys. We're building a database in memoriam of every single man and woman, boy and girl that we've lost in the hockey community. And it's going to be a part of the website. It's coming very soon. It's my little side passion project uh, to remember all of all of these just warriors that we lost tragically, senselessly. And the Pucks War Foundation is going to be there, guys. And uh, quickly, before I go, I'm going to remind everybody, Sandra Murray, who I call an angel, uh, is available to anybody right now suffering with mental health or addiction. Sandra at pucksupport.com, guys. Reach out to her, reach out to me. You do not need to suffer in silence or alone. I promise you that, guys. I hope you're all having a great, great Saturday if you watch this live. Um, it's the weekend. Remember, guys, I always say, take care of each other. No drinking and driving. I don't drink anymore, but if you're going to drink, no drinking and driving. Take care of each other. Change your attitude. Change your perspective. Thanks to Bill Keenan, guys. And remember, have a great day if you so choose.